Well, this is our kickoff Sunday. This is the last Sunday of August. The last, I keep reminding Jody, this is the last week before football season starts, which does not bring joy to her heart. And that was originally the reason why we called it kickoff Sunday, because, you know, using the the metaphor or the analogy of, of football season, kicking off the fall. But in all seriousness, we, we really did want to have a, a, a clear indication that we're, we're making a break with what's, what's been happening over the summer and prepare to sort of get, get our minds and hearts right to enter into the fall. But as I began to talk with the staff a little bit about this idea, we realized that really what we're in doing is we're inviting you all to engage, to engage in the opportunities we have to connect with the Lord, to grow in our faith, to become a part, more connected to the community here at Servants of Christ, and to serve one another. So it's an invitation to engage. It, it is a kickoff Sunday, but it's, it's really more of an, of an invitation to engage. And so um, with that in mind, I, I want to just be honest with you. I don't like preaching uh, topically, and I'm not going to preach topically. But, but I, being a, a Gen X person, I'm, I have like this, this radar for things that are inauthentic. And I just, I just, I despise things that are inauthentic. And so, and so I, I never want to try to manipulate something into a, a, a sort of a, you know, sort of a, uh, I just, I don't like to, to manipulate things. I don't like to try to set things up to where they're too cheesy. I, I, I you know, no, no, no stones at other pastors, but this is not my way. It's not what I like to do. But it does occur to me as I struggle through this, this Ephesians passage that, that really this Ephesians passage in some ways does really dovetail with the idea of engaging with opportunity, of taking serious the moment that we're in and asking the Lord to guide and direct us. And so I want to look at it with you. I want to look at Ephesians 6 with you. There's some pew Bibles there with you. You've got, some of you have got phone apps that you may want to look at. I, I want to encourage you. There is so much here. I'm told that there was a, an early theological scholar hundreds of years ago who actually sat down and wrote 1,200 pages just on the armor of God. 1,200 pages. Now, I can talk for a long time, but I don't think I could write a hundred pages about the armor of God. And yet, just to give you the idea, there is so much here that this expanse is so important to us. I want you to know that, that that's, that is possible to do. And I want to look with you this morning as we, as we do prepare to move into the fall, as we, we recognize sober-mindedly the place that we're at, where we are in our culture, where we are in the world, all that's going on around us, and to ask the Lord to guide and direct us um, as we move into that. So let's just take a look at it real quickly together. You guys probably know about the armor of God. I, I'm always reminded of my, uh, my kids. There was, back when they used to have Christian bookstores before it all went online, there, were, there used to be one of the Christian bookstores, they sold a little plastic set of the armor of God. Anybody ever have that when you were a kid? You know, the little breastplate and you had the, um, the helmet and the shield and the sword, and you were, you were all, well, the shield and the sword, and you, and you kind of could act it out. I can't remember if they had shoes or not, um, but it seems like maybe they had something for like shin guards that you put on. And I can still picture in my mind our, our kids with the, with the armor of God on. But uh, I, I want to look at that with you for a couple of minutes. And, and the first thing I want you to notice is that, is that w- Paul is saying to us that we must be prepared 
We must be prepared because the devil has schemes. There are things that he is going to try to do to us and ways he's going to thwart us. And so we must always be ready. And so what does Paul say? He says, be strong in the Lord in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against authorities, against cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day and have none, and, and having done all, to stand firm. And I'll stop there and we'll go on in a little bit. But first of all, I just want you to think with me about that. What Paul is saying is that we must intentionally be prepared because the battle is real. We're living in an evil day. I don't think I'd have a hard time expressing that or, or getting people to, that, that would want to argue with me about that. As a matter of fact, more and more, this week I had somebody who said to me, you know, Father Alex, it's like, I'm not big on like sort of focusing on the end times, but doesn't it begin to feel a little bit like the end times with all the things that are going on, this latest stuff going on in Afghanistan, this Kabul, it's, just, it's, just, it's, it's sad and, 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 and there's so many things going on and it just feels like wave upon wave upon wave of things in these days. The, the schemes of the devil are, are it just, he's tricky and the way he goes about trying to thwart the people of God. The first thing I want you to notice is that Paul says we're to put on the armor of God. Now, the, just, just on a really fundamental level, recognize that we have our own armor. We have the ways that we tend to, to fight our battles, the th- ways that we tend to take on the world, what, you know, whatever your style is, however you were taught to take on bullies or whatever you know, in your life. That, that's the way you, sort of your parents or your grandparents or somebody that loved and cared for you taught you how to survive in the world. That is the, your armor. Paul is saying, though, that we're to put on the armor of God, which should be distinct from the armors that we've learned to adapt to get through the world. Paul says, put on the armor of God. And I know I skipped over the first part, be strengthened in the Lord. I'll I'll get back to that in a minute. But I want you to hear that it's this armor of God that will be distinctly different And secondly, I want you to understand that within this passage, oftentimes we think of the little kids standing there in the plastic armor of God as some of us had or some of our kids had when they were little. But but understand that for Paul, it is not the singular but the plural that he has in mind. Because the way the ancient Roman world worked was that the army of, of Rome went out and fought shoulder to shoulder, hip to hip, Shield to shield. They, they stood, if you've ever studied the ways that warfare used to take place, even up to the Civil War, which is why the Civil War was so bloody, soldiers stood arm, to arm, arm in arm, shoulder to shoulder, next to each other, and faced the enemy. And the whole premise was that if you hold, then you're protecting the guy to your left and to your right. And that we are an army together marching forward, advancing forward or retreating together and we're standing arm in arm. There is a sense in which if we don't grasp that, we miss it. And so oftentimes as Westerners, as 21st century people, we tend to think in terms of individualism. We tend to think about putting the armor of God on. 
But what Paul wants to emphasize is not simply just our individual relationship with the Lord, but our corporate relationship with the Lord, that we as the people of God would put on the armor. And if we understand that we're standing in that metaphor, we realize that, that if we fall back or if we run away, it's not just us that is, is injured, but the people that are to our left and right. Don't miss the corporate nature of this passage in Ephesians 6. We are meant to be the people of God working together. Now quickly, you, you know these, you probably know these things. You, you probably could close your Bible and, and say the different aspects of the armor of God, right? You know, that we're to have the belt of truth. In the old King James, it was gird up your loins with truth. Uh, the breastplate of righteousness. Well, what are those things representing? Are they simply the, the doctrinal truth, the, 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 the stated truth of the Bible? Yes and no. Yes, they are about upholding the truth of Scripture, God's revelation of his will to humanity. But it's not simply the passive acquisition of knowledge to know what God's will. It's the living faith of walking out God's will. Of, of standing in the truth in such a way that you, you actually live it out, even to pain to yourself. Now here I'd like to give you lots of examples, but I can't because they're all private one-on-one conversations with people where I've had to say to them, because I love you, I must speak the truth into your life. Or they've said to me, Alex, because I love you, I need to speak this truth to you. It's, that's what Paul means by, 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 by girding ourselves up, by putting on the belt of truth, that, that we, would be, we would be compelled to speak and live out the truth of God in the world. Reality is that, that oftentimes we fight like the world fights. And we treat even members of the body of Christ one to another, we treat them as we would in a secular situation, you know, in a, in a completely non-Christian situation. This whole idea of cancel culture where you, you say something I don't like and I just write you off. I just sort of, you, you no longer exist to me, you know. That, that, is, that is so anti antithetical to the to the Christian walk that we 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 can never just cancel people we are compelled to in love to live out the truth and to wear the breastplate of righteousness which which for Paul is to recognize that we are covered with the righteousness of Christ and and so the the right action by which we we live out these these principles and practice how we do that is to be lived out in a Christian in a Christian manner there's no Means justifies the ends. We fight in a righteous way. In a way that that tries to match up with the character of God. And so even when we're, you know, when people scheme and connive and and do things to us, we, we respond in a righteous way. That's what it means to wear the breastplate of righteousness. To be constrained with truth and righteousness in how we conduct ourselves in the world. And may I just say that it is too easy for us to rip off that belt and that breastplate and just go at it like barbarians. Paul says, beyond that, we're to, be sh- to have our feet covered with, with the gospel of peace, the shoes 
of our faith. And, and by the way, Paul is borrowing all this language. If you go back to, to Isaiah 59, for instance, he talks about the breastplate of righteousness, Isaiah does, and about the belt of truth. Uh, these things are, are, are actually in the Old Testament there that Paul, these are treasures that Paul brings forth. The, the shoes are also mentioned, but blessed, beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Paul quotes it in Romans. This is what he's talking about. He's talking about that we move out, we move forward with the gospel of peace. It's a gospel of peace. We're proclaiming peace to every person. We're not using the gospel as a weapon to beat people up who don't think like we do. It's a gospel of peace. And we're to move forward with that gospel and to present it to every person. Regardless of their elk or bent in life or past, or reputation. We are to bring the gospel of peace to them. We're to wear the helmet of salvation. Here we can kind of break back into the idea of kickoff Sunday, I guess. Football teams wear helmets, right? So you can distinguish them from other teams. And you've got the emblem on your team on your helmet. On our helmet is Christ, who gives us the victory, who gives us the, you know, right? who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we say at the end of our liturgy. We're declaring that Christ has the victory. A few weeks ago, Father James preached a sermon. He said, you know, I know that things are going to be okay because God's word has declared that things will be okay. Christ has won the victory. And so we wear that helmet and we are confident that though we're in the midst of a battle and though we can't see every way what the casualties will be or what the hardships will be or what the next thing to suffer through will be, we can be confident that Christ is our victory. He is our helmet. We're to carry the shield of faith. The fiery darts of the enemy. I'm, I'm told that in ancient warfare that, that the, the, many of the enemies of Rome would, would, would not only shoot arrows at them, but they would shoot fiery arrows with them. That would not only catch on fire things that they touched, but would also sound horribly terrifying as they sailed through the air but these shields that the Roman soldiers were carrying were meant to 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 capture those 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 arrows the shield our shield is our faith our faith that Christ is going to see us through the darkest of days that that what what the enemy means for evil God will use for good that there is no enemy that can overcome the work of God in our lives The danger is to drop the sword. The danger is always to drop the sword, excuse me, to drop the shield. Particularly when you have flaming arrows that are sticking into the outside of your shield. That will cause you to become alarmed and perhaps to grab, but what happens if you drop your faith, then you're vulnerable to every attack. Oftentimes in our Christian life, we, we get to places where we don't understand. We, we, don't, we can't imagine what good God could bring out of a bad experience or, a, or a, a place of suffering in our lives. And yet if we drop our shield of faith, we're vulnerable to every attack. Last, the sword of the Spirit, which is, Paul makes it emphatic, the Word of God. The truth of God coming from the mouth of God, the the revelation of God, speaking the truth. No better example of this than Jesus in 
the desert as he's tempted by Satan, where over and over again, what does he say? It is written, it is written, it is written. Oftentimes, we, in the fog of war, to use that analogy, we, we lose sight of, of, of the truth of God, which is why we need to be grounded in the word of God, why we need to come back to the scripture, why we need to come to church and hear sermons and, and be a part of Bible studies where we unpack and study and discuss the word of God, that it would be in our minds and in our hearts. All of these things are important. And these invitations to engage that, that we're presenting to you are, are all ways to do that. I think that, I think for instance, the catechism class that, that, that Father Bob's been working on, that we're going to be launching out, that a few of us have already kind of gone through in a brief form, is an excellent way to, to, to really hone in and to understand what, it mean, what the Word of God says. To be, to be sharpened in that way and to have our faith strengthened to be reminded of Christ's victory, to be reminded of how we're to live out truth and righteousness and how we present the gospel of peace. We're to be prepared. That's the longest of the points, by the way. The second point is that we're to overcome evil. I think it's interesting to me that oftentimes when, I, when, I, when, when people talk about uh, this, these, these verses, um, that what we're drawn to is the, the powers and principalities and the schemes of the devil. But really that's relatively small in terms of the number of verses that, it, that Paul, the attention Paul gives to it. Rather, it's on overcoming the evil. We can become so fascinated by the evil that we actually play in to the enemy's hands. When we're called to put on the armor of God that we can stand against the evil. Now back to the very first line of the verse. What, what Paul says in verse 10, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. I intentionally overlooked that because I wanted to come back to it. How do we overcome evil? We, we allow the Lord to strengthen us. In Samuel 30, we're told that David strengthened himself in the Lord. When, when, when I get into a place where I am just in a tizzy about decisions or conflicts or about how do I live out truth righteously in, in the midst of all sorts of conflicts, I just have to get before the Lord and let him strengthen me. And it seems so counterintuitive but just to be quiet before the Lord for as long as it takes to allow him to strengthen me, to be strengthened in him. And yet that's exactly what Paul says we have to do. We have to, we have to first be strengthened in him and then put on his armor that we can overcome evil. We don't have to understand evil. We, we, we're not going to understand it. What we're called to do is overcome it. And Paul says we can as we're strengthened in the Lord and we put on the armor of God. Again, don't think this is meant to be individually. There are so many times in our Christian life when we're simply not strong enough by ourselves, which is why we need the body, which is why one of the greatest schemes of the enemy is to isolate us 
and get us off by ourselves so that we spend all of our time in our own minds and, and he, he's got us. Which is why I'm a part of a covenant group and why I brought the idea of covenant groups to the, to the, to the parish because there have been times in my life where I just needed to speak it out loud and have somebody say, that is a lie from the pit of hell. Or, Alex, don't you see that, that, that you already have the answer right there? We speak into each other's lives and we thwart the work of the devil. We, we avoid those schemes. And this is what Paul wants us to do. He wants us to be strengthened in the Lord. He wants us to overcome evil by putting on the, the armor of God, but seeing that it's done in community. Which is why we invite you to be a part of community groups, to build relationships with people. This last week, Jody and I have been uh, really suffering through the loss of her godfather, um, who died a few days ago. And it's been so hard because it's just been really hard. Because he's a man of God and he's just walked so faithfully with us and been with us through many, many uh, important moments in our Christian life. And yet, even as we suffered through the, the realization that he was not going to live, that he was going to die, we were strengthened by the fact that there were so many of you who were praying for us and walking with us. Isn't it strange how that, that in the midst of suffering, sometimes we feel more connected to other Christians than when things are going well? And isn't it strange that oftentimes it is those really hard and suffering things that God uses us to remind us that we are loved and cared for, not just by him, but by his body that is lifting us up in prayer. You've been the recipient of it when you've gone through hard things and you've gotten text messages or phone calls or, or letters or just words of encouragement. Friends, we're called to overcome the evil. as we learn to put on the armor of God and stand together. Now, it's interesting to me because Paul comes to the end of his metaphor about, about the armor of God, and he actually just kind of breaks into a, into a um, you know, the, the metaphor is gone. Verse 18, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. The third point is that we must learn to pray. Prayer is more than simply just you listing off your wish list, you telling God all the things that you need him to do. Prayer is listening to the Lord. It's, it's being quiet before him and hearing what he might have to say to you or what he might have, might have to say to you for someone else. Paul is emphatic here. He says we're to, we're to be praying for all the saints. We're to be ceaseless in our prayer and supplications and we're to continue to, to pray for all the saints. We need to learn to pray. Allow our prayer lives to go deeper and deeper. To learn to sit before the Lord in quietness. And again, I think that, I think that the invitation this morning is, to, is to, to get engaged with these things. Because in the, in the doing of these things, whether, whether it's community group and learning to, how to 
you know, about someone's tragedy and learning how to pray for them in the midst of that or, or, uh, or catechism class or covenant. These are all opportunities. We study the Lord's Prayer in our catechism class. We're learning how to, to pray with greater effectiveness and understanding the depths of the prayer and how the Lord calls us to be at prayer. One of the prayers that I've learned recently, is, and it's an ancient practice, but in the last year or two, it's just the, what they call the Jesus Prayer, which is just, Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. And in the midst of our tragedy this week, we, to pray, Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. And to pray it over and over again. And to just allow the Lord to, to speak through his Holy Spirit in the midst of all that we're going through. This is what Paul says we need to be praying without ceasing. We need to, we need to be learning how to do that. How to be um, attuned to it. And to understand that the Lord has given us each other in order that we might pray and support each other. And, and it's true. You know, we say, what can I do for you? I'm so sorry this has happened. And people say, just pray for me. And you kind of feel like, well, that's easy. No, it's not. It really isn't. To, to consciously continue to let that person and what they're going through be on your heart and mind and be so attuned to it that you... Every time the Lord brings it to your mind, you say, Lord, oh, please be with that person. There's no greater gift. Jody's Aunt Sarah, pray in love. That's what you can do for me. Just pray in love. The last thing Paul says is that pray for him. Now, this is the Apostle Paul. You think if there's anybody that doesn't need the feeble prayers of the Ephesian Christians, it's Paul. The boldness to do the things he did. And yet, what does Paul say? Pray for me that I will have that boldness to speak of Christ as I should. Paul says that we need to learn to boldly make Christ known. Now, I do think this means there are times where we need to speak of Christ to people. We need to let them know of the hope that's within us, as, as Peter says. Always be ready to give the reason for the hope that's within you. But I also think that this is powerfully lived out as a living faith. As we live our faith out before people, we make Christ known. And that's why I think a healthy congregation can be one of the greatest forms of evangelism. Because if we truly love each other, we don't cancel culture to each other, we speak the truth, we live in righteousness, we hold each other accountable, but we also give each other grace. And even when we don't, disagree, when we don't agree on things, we come back together and we keep loving and living together. It speaks powerfully to the world because that's not what's going on out there. Out there, it's becoming more and more divided. Last night, we had a men's fellowship, and it was, it was amazing, the conversations that are going on and the interactions that are going on. And, and I know that not everybody in that room is in the same place politically or socially or thinks the same thing about all the different issues that are swirling around. And yet, there they were, 12 or so guys, sitting out on my back porch, sweating to death, loving each other and hanging out. Living the faith, living the truth together in community. Paul calls the church to pray. 
I need your prayers. You each need each other's prayers. If we're going to do this. This morning after the service, you're going to have opportunities to, to kind of mingle outside if, if the weather holds up. If not, we'll do it next week. But, but consider where God might be calling you to, to engage, to, to take this invitation, to, to, to encounter him in a, in a deeper way, to, to learn what it looks like to put on the armor of God, to, to, to learn how to pray more effectively, to, to, to knit yourself in community in such a way that, that you truly love and serve one another. These are the things that we're invited to do. I came across a quote from Diedrich Bonhoeffer that I want to end the sermon with today. And, um, if you don't know, Bonhoeffer was a German Christian in the 20th century. He ultimately um, was, was killed in, in Nazi Germany at the very end of World War II. He was an outspoken and profound follower of Christ. He was a person who was so committed to Christ that he actually was in America safe and went back to Germany to fight with the German people for what he believed was the heart of the gospel. This is what Bonhoeffer said in one of his books, and I just think it speaks to what I've been trying to say. I I want to apologize to the women in the room because he's speaking to men and brothers, but please understand that, that, that it's intended for every Christian, female and male. Here's what Bonhoeffer says. The Christian needs another Christian who speaks God's word to him. He needs him again and again when he becomes uncertain and discouraged. For by himself, he cannot help himself without belying the truth, without undermining the truth or making the truth seem as if it's not true. He needs his brother, man, as a bearer and a proclaimer of the divine word of salvation. He needs his brother solely because of Jesus Christ. The Christ in his own heart is weaker than the Christ in the word of his brother. His own heart is uncertain. His brother's is sure. Gracious Father, may you teach us to put on the armor, Lord, that we might be prepared, that we might overcome evil, that we might learn to pray, and that we might serve each other and make you known to the ends of the earth. Amen.